Tonight, we're going to come back to basics again. I told you on Sunday um, that we've been preaching. Uh, originally, I had this four-week package in mind that we were going to preach back to basics and teach on it on Wednesday nights, circle back and hit it in a 2.0 fashion, go deep into that. And uh, as I began to, the Lord gave me the fifth week, which was apostolic attitude to add to apostolic doctrine, apostolic prayer, apostolic fellowship, and apostolic breaking of bread. And the reason we're going to this is because this gives us a course, a way to get through what we are going through. Now, even when we move beyond the pandemic, we are going to be facing some other social challenges, and there is some social engineering, and that's not what I'm teaching about. That means changes. They're going to try to change some things like uh, transgender and all of those kind of things that's going to be going on around you. And I don't care if it's COVID or transgender or what it is, if you go back to the apostolic message and the apostolic method, it always works in every situation, in every generation, and in every nation. It is not culturally, the message does not have to be preached just to Jews, but also to Gentiles. Not just Americans, but also uh, Africans and Burmese and Asians alike. The message works everywhere you go. And not only does the message work, but the method works everywhere you go. And so we found in these first four weeks, we talked about the apostolic uh, cornerstones, those four cornerstones of prayer, fellowship, breaking of bread, and apostolic doctrine. Moved into apostolic uh, attitude of gratitude and sacrifice and equality. And then from that, God, we had the break and had the revival, and then God spoke to me, and, and as I was praying, and I, I was praying, I, I was through. I have, had, was finished with Back to Basics myself. I thought, wow, one week overtime, we had four weeks, now we have five. And I was praying, and here's what I was praying. God, I want to see an apostolic outpouring and a demonstration of the Holy Ghost like never before, like it was in the first church where uh, blind eyes were opened, the miraculous, whatever the miraculous is, cancers healed, whatever, dead raised, whatever, lives healed, marriages put back together. I want to see when, when we pray, something happened again. And I was in desperate prayer for that. I, I, I'm hungry as a pastor for that. That's supernatural. And not as just in, in my ministry. Uh, personally, I, certainly I would like to know that if I laid hands on you and you were dead, you'd come back to life. That would, that would be pretty cool if I could do that. Amen. But not just me. But he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. And, and when I began to study that, and that's what I'm going to talk about Sunday, is an apostolic demonstration. And so I was praying about a message about apostolic demonstration. How do we get back to seeing the power of God work when we pray? Not just preachers, not in just in church, but when you pray. When you pray for your husband, he stops doing that or starts doing that. When you pray for your children, they come home to Jesus. When you pray for your marriage, God puts it back together. Not when someone else prays, but when you pray. And so I was working on that, and as I began to question God and say, God, what do we need to do? How come we're not seeing that like, like I'm hungry for it and like I believe it was in the apostolic church? The Lord spoke to me as clearly as day. And he said, because they are not afraid of me.
They're not afraid of me anymore. Some of you aren't afraid of them right now. Some of you are not afraid of them in this building. Some of you out there watching on, on, online are not afraid of them. There's no fear associated with God. There's no awe, apostolic awe associated with God. That's why when the preacher preaches, and you say, well, he's just a preacher. He's just a man. That's right. And Peter was just a man too. But when Ananias and Sapphira came and lied to the man, God struck them dead. In the New Testament church, that's what I preached on Sunday. He drugged the Old Testament fear of God right into the New Testament church, and he didn't do it uh, uh, 10 years later. He did it at the origin of the church because he wanted the church to understand if you don't have a respect for God, a good, healthy respect for God and the things of God, you will never see the power of God in your life. If you don't see the power of God in your life, you will never see the miraculous. You will only get what you can get by yourself. It will just be a human endeavor. And could I say to you, please, listen to me carefully, if all you're going to get from coming to church is just what you can get on your own, then quit coming. Stay home. Keep your money. Don't give to missions. Don't return the tithe. If all you're expecting is just what you can do on your own from church, then you really don't need church at all. But if there's anybody that needs God to be God, if there's anybody that needs the supernatural power of God working in your life, then I submit to you, get the same hunger that I have and get the same hunger that others are having and saying, God, I'm not going to be satisfied with mediocre just coming to church, just sitting on the pew, just paying my tithes, just giving to missions. I'm not going to be satisfied with that. I am hungry for an apostolic move of God in my life. In my life. I'm tired of hearing stories about somewhere else uh, and somebody else. Uh, I need my testimony. Uh, I need my demonstration. Come on, somebody claim yours right now. I need it when I lay my hands on this person. They are healed. Uh, when I speak the word to someone who is bound, uh, they are set free from demonic forces. When I was praying for that, God said, the reason you don't have it and they don't have it, is because there's not a healthy respect for God anymore, nor the things of God. That's why it's easy to miss church, to do things that you need to do at the house. That's why it's easy to not commit to serve others in the kingdom of God because you got too much going on on your own schedule and on your own time. You can't commit to the things of God because, hey, I'm busy, Pastor. Hey, I got to work overtime to pay these bills. Hey, I got a new house. I'm trying. All of those things. You're more afraid of losing your job than you are your soul. Until we get back that the other way that says my job is not going to stand in the way. I'm not telling you to quit your job. I'm telling you to get a change of mind. You'll get a change of heart. I'm not going to let that stand in with my way. I would not trade my job for my soul salvation for anything on the planet. Yes, sir, I know where you're coming from, Charles. I heard your testimony. Amen. Went into retirement to keep from doing that. Retired early to keep from doing that. I had enough. I, I ain't playing their games. Amen. I ain't playing their games. I'm not going to let them affect me. Amen. Until we get that back, we're not going to see what we need to see. 
that's going to get the attention of the world. Can I say this? I already told you if all you're going to get is what you can get by yourself, you shouldn't come to church. Can I take that another step further? Why would anybody else want to come to church? Why would anybody want to visit this church? If you had nothing to offer other than programs, maybe we got a church gym. Well, there's a gym down the street you can join. Well, maybe we got a church this or that. Well, maybe there's a, a, a church community that's a lot of fun. Well, you can join a, a country club or a, a, a sewing club if you just need a community to be a part of. My goodness, we had, we've got to get back to an apostolic demonstration. And if we don't have that, the actual power of God working among us, then why should anybody even bother coming? But can I submit to you, that the reason we are seeing people coming to the house of God and we're seeing visitors come and join us is simply because when they come, they pray and God does something. We had three, two or three new men, soldiers here Sunday. What, two of them get baptized? Was there two or three back there? Uh, two of them. And both of them, first time ever in the house of God, they heard the word of God, they felt the power of God, and that something happened to them, and they said, we want to change. We want. I didn't touch them. I didn't know their name. It, it wasn't me. I was preaching, but I was preaching the word of God. And while I was preaching the word of God, something fell on them, and they said, we want to change. Something supernatural happened to them. Anybody ever had something supernatural happen to you? I walked into a service drug by, bound by drugs and alcohol. I walked into a service, I mean drugs in the car, two cases of beer on ice in the trunk. I'm telling you the truth. And it was at a youth camp, and I'm not proud of that. But that was the reality I lived in. Walked in one way and walked out another and never wanted to do it again, never been challenged by it again, and I was bound by it. That's the power of the Holy Ghost we're talking about. That's the power of the Holy Ghost when the devil comes in and tries to take your mind, your money, your marriage. You stand up in the face of the devil and say, you can't have my marriage. You can't have my money. You can't have my mental health. You're, I'm not giving you my mental health in this pandemic kind of a world. In this I'm not giving the devil the right to come into my mind and send depression and all of those kind of thoughts. And you ought to have the power to back it up. But the reason we don't have the power, he says, because we don't have the fear. We don't have the respect we used to have. Now, remember I told you uh, uh, in all through this series that we are not a Christian church. If you want to be an apostolic church, an apostolic Pentecostal church, but if you want to be like the first church, then you are not a Christian church, but you are a Judeo-Christian church. There is no apostolic church without having its footing firmly on the Jewish church, the Jewish faith, and the Jewish history. He gave uh, them the Ten Commandments and then other commandments to follow. We don't just tear those Ten Commandments up when we become a Christian and we get filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. We stand firmly on the fact that the things that God hated in the Old Testament, He still hates in the New Testament. If he didn't like it then, he doesn't like it now. He said, I'm God and I change it not. Now the only thing that's changed is how he deals with humanity. That's called a dispensation. The way that God deals with humankind. And under the Old Testament, oh my God. 
You didn't have to preach on fear in the Old Testament. No, no, no. You did not have to preach on fear in the Old Testament. Because they told stories about it all the time. Remember when our king got lifted up, David? And he numbered the people? He got lifted up in pride? Y'all remember what happened? Y'all remember what happened when our king did that? Oh, yeah. Uncle Billy Bob died. Aunt Sally died. All their kids died. Well, my God, what happened, preacher? I'll tell you what happened in the Old Testament because the king got full of pride. The president got full of pride and got lifted up and numbered the people and said, look what we got. God sent the angel of the Lord and 70,000 people died in three days. You don't need anybody teaching you on fear. And the only way it stopped was because prayer and sacrifice was made. Somebody got on their face before God and David and repented. And he said, stop, that's okay, I repent, it's me, it's me, you know, stop. And, 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 and chooses to find a way of repentance. And then the angel of the Lord's hand was stayed. The Bible said if he hadn't, all of Israel could have been wiped out. They still talked about the flood. Hundreds and thousands of, uh, over a thousand years afterwards, they're still 2,000 years after it. They're still 3,000 years. They're still talking about the flood. Oh, you remember when God wiped out everything on the earth. We don't want him to do that again. We don't want him to do that again. They talked about the flood. They talked about Babylonian captivity. Remember when we were carried away into captivity? They talked about Egyptian bondage. Remember when we went a-whoring after other gods and we feared other gods. We feared them but more than we feared him. And because we feared them more than we feared him, God turned us over to them until we returned to him. You didn't have to preach on fear. Fear was, they lived fear. The Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses in the Old Testament, if you were found, you were found guilty, and if you were found guilty, you could be stoned in the same day that you committed the offense. There were stories, and they rehearsed them around the dinner table every single night to their children, the commandments of the Lord and the stories of judgment and the stories, lest they forget. He said, lest you forget and go a-whoring after other gods, sell out to other gods, continue to teach them to fear the Lord. And so, uh, when, so we talk about the firm foundation of, of, of fear. And when we use the word fear, we're talking about a healthy respect for the power of God. We use the pistol on Sunday. That pistol is, is even unloaded, commands respect. And that pistol could kill you if you pointed it at yourself. But it also could defend you if somebody came against you. So you understand the respect of that firearm. And, and, and some people would trust the firearm more than they would trust God. I'm not against firearms. I'm, not, I'm just saying, my Lord, we need to get our head right. We need to get our head right. We need to trust God and have a healthy... If we can respect a firearm, we need to respect God is the one that gave us the wisdom to make them, if you will. God is the one that spoke the world into existence. He's the one that set everything on its axis. He's got it all in his hand and all in control. So we, we come from that aspect of a Judeo-Christian. So I talk to you on Sunday. I preach to you... Um, the best I could. And I was brash. And I was direct. And I pointed at you. Because you wasn't listening. 
And I screamed at you because you wasn't paying attention. And I reached for you because your mind was somewhere else. And I looked into your eyes as the man of God in your life because I'm going to give an account whether I did a good enough job or not. And I don't think I did it good enough. Because he said, knowing the terror of the Lord. Terror is the fear of the thing that is to come. When you're terrorized, it's not something that's happened to you now. It's a fear of something that's going to come. He said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we better persuade men. And what I was trying to do is knowing the terror that you're going to face if you face God unprepared, knowing the terror of the Lord. I was trying to persuade you to lay down your little ideological differences, all of your little petty problems that you've got going on, all the little things that are bothering you like cancer and COVID. You said those are small things. The Bible said these things are but momentary afflictions compared to the eternal work of glory that they are working in our life. He said compared to what heaven's going to be like, the hell that you've got to go through here is nothing. But I'm telling you the hell that you're going through here is nothing compared to the eternity being in the lake of fire. Nothing. Nothing. You didn't have to preach to them about the lake of fire. You know why? Because when the Korites, the preachers, rebelled against the plan of God, the ground opens up and swallows up 250. No, no, not just that. He draws a line in the sand. It says, everybody that's on God's side, come over here. And these puffy Korites said, we ain't going over there. He's an idiot. He's been off there and, uh, and on the mountain and praying and got them tablets in his hand and all of that kind of stuff. And they stood over there. And he said, all right, everybody had your chance. And the ground starts rumbling and opens up. It doesn't swallow them all. It just swallows those 250 rebellious ones, knowing the power of God. That if he would do that in the Old Testament, and he doesn't change in the New Testament, the judgment you're going to face if you meet him unprepared, if you meet him unready, so well, I, I don't see any ground opening up and swallowing me. I can do whatever I want. And I'm not, see, I can still speak in tongues. I can still, yeah, you still can because that's the plan of God and that's the, the excuse me, the covenant of God that if you seek him, you're going to find him. But just because you spoke in tongues on Sunday doesn't endorse your behavior on Monday. He said, every man's going to be judged according to their own works. You're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account for what you have done, not what they have done or he did or she did or somebody did to me, but what you have done. And you don't want to be there unprepared because the same God that opened up and swallowed them up will open up and death and hell are going to be cast into an eternal pit of fire where the worm dieth not and the flame is not quenched. You see, they didn't have to preach about that in the Old Testament because they lived it. So what God did was make sure that in the very first part of the New Testament church, he brings that fear of Jehovah into the new apostolic church where Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. And he said, yes, 
the veil is rent and the ark is gone and there's some of those ordinances we don't keep anymore. But one thing I want you to know that I'm dragging across these dispensations is the fear of God. And they had a public demonstration in our New Testament church in the same dispensation that you live in. Now, God doesn't go around killing anybody. Best I can tell, that's the only people in the New Testament that he killed. But make no mistake, God struck two people dead. A husband and a wife in a church service like you're attending now, in a public service for the very point to prove that you need to have fear for God. But the most amazing thing happened. It says in that next verse, in great fear. It said, first off, after the husband Ananias died, and fear fell on all of the people. And then she comes in. Listen carefully. She comes in, and he asks her, what did you do this and this and this? And she lies just like her husband did. And he said, why have you done this? The same boys that carried you out, the same young men that carried your husband out, it's going to carry you out and bury you. And she falls dead instantly in church. Now listen to me. And then the Bible said, and great fear fell on the church. Fear fell when one died, but great fear, great respect fell on the church. And when that happened, the Bible said, and many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. Because when there's respect for God, it's always followed by an outpouring and a demonstration of the power of God. The miraculous comes with the amount of respect that you have for God. No respect for God, no supernatural. As a matter of fact, if you don't think God is anybody other than your Amazon errand boy, that's all you get from God. You don't get the supernatural. But if you believe you're serving the God that spoke the world into existence, that said, let there be light, and there was light, if you're believing you're serving the God that spit on the ground and made a mud ball and stuck it in a guy's eye socket and he began to see, if you're believing you're serving the God that laid his hands on a dead boy's beard or a dead boy's coffin going through the city and the boy stood up and came back to life, if that's the God you're serving, then all of a sudden you've got a healthy respect uh, and say, if he could do it then, he can do it now. And not only can he do it, but he wants us to do it because he said these signs shall follow them that believe in my name so if we get into the Hebrew and I've got the Hebrew I said I was going to be particularly from the Hebrew but I needed to move back into the, the to, to understand why the Hebrew is important fear in Hebrew is, is a lot like the same exact feeling that you get from the Greek word it just means morally to revere to honor or to respect causatively to be frightened. In other words, have seen something. Have you ever seen something that made you respect God? Think about it right now. I want you to bring that out of your memory right now. Have you ever seen something that said, whoo, man, God is real? Come on, right now, have you seen something? Have you ever seen something? Amen. Whoa, whoa. I ain't playing with that. My God, I prayed, boom, that happened. I mean, that, whoa, God is real. You need to talk about that stuff. You need to dwell on that. When the devil comes in against you like a flood and said he's going to overcome you, he's going to steal your mind, marriage, and money, he's going to steal your goods, he's going to steal that, you need to say, you know what, I got, I got a different opinion on that. 
I, I remember when the flood came. I remember when God fell, had manna fall from heaven. I remember when water came from the rock. Somebody help me preach a little bit and teach you. I remember when God rose from the dead. I remember when he came to life. In my, I remember when he delivered me from sin. I remember when he became real to me and began to work in that. And think about that and talk about that. And it will restore a, a causative effect of fear. And when we use the word fear, we're talking moral respect for God. This healthy moral respect for God. It's the same reason you don't let your kid play in the street. Not because the street is dangerous by itself. But the nature of the street is dangerous. That if you get in front of a car going down the street, it's dangerous. So when you cross the street, what do you tell your kids before they cross the street? Why? Because you respect that. And that's how we ought to approach God with this causative ability to be, be frightened, this healthy respect for God, to stand in awe or amazement, the Hebrews word, to stand in awe, to be astonished. O-M-G. And I'm not talking about Facebook. I'm talking about something that just blows your mind. Has God ever blown your mind before? You ever opened the mailbox and got your mind blown? I have. <laughs> have you? Come on. Have you ever got a piece of paper back from the doctor and had your mind blown? The doctor said you were this, and all of a sudden the paper says we can't find that. Amen. Somebody help me now. Amen. To stand in awe, astonished at what God is doing. To be in dread. The Hebrew words to be literally. It's interpreted instead of fear in the, uh, in the Hebrew one place to be in dread or the dread of the Lord. Dread is the depression at pending doom. It is the fear of facing pending doom. It is like a prisoner on death row who has uh, 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 exhausted all hopes of stay of execution and knows that the law will be executed against him on the morrow at 8 a.m. He is dreading the reality. Somebody needs to understand that if you're away from God and if you're playing the harlot and you're a whoring after the gods of this world, you better dread judgment. The Bible calls it the, in Revelation the great and terrible day of the Lord. It's great if you got it all together. If you've been seeking God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it is terrible if you face it unprepared. And that's how you need to live your life. But you're too busy. You got too much going on. You're too worried about your, your little world and all your little problems and all of that to think about eternity. To think about what God thinks and to think, and then when you pray, you wonder why nothing comes from heaven. Because you don't respect God anymore. You just do what you want to do. 
And then you come to church and think, well, I've done my thing. Give me my gold star and I go home. I'm not preaching to the, just the people here. I'm preaching to the air and the spirit of the age, those that are listening out there. I'm preaching to this hour that we are living in. This is a spirit of the age. And we had better understand that if we're going to see the supernatural and we're going to see what God wants to do in this last hour, not in the church, but in me, in you, and in you, you are, going to lay, you are going to lay hands on the sick and the sick are going to recover. You are going to baptize people in Jesus' name. You and you and you, not the preacher. You and you and you and you are going to make disciples. You're going to cast out, you're going to cast out devils. You're not going to call the preacher to come cast out the devil. You're going to say, hey, the same power that's in me is in that preacher. And the same power that's in me and in that preacher was in Jesus Christ. Uh, and he spoke to the demons. Uh, and he said, get out of my way. And he said, get out of this house. Uh, get out of this situation in the name of Jesus. Uh, and because I know him uh, and because I have his name in baptism, uh, I have the authority to use his name. And because I have the power of the Holy Ghost, uh, I have the power that he had in him. Therefore, these things that he did, we can do also. To stand in dread. Job said this. Listen, we're going to blow through some scriptures real quick. Job said, 28, 28. And to man he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. The psalmist wrote it this, Psalm 111 and 10. Psalm 111, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for a Ph.D. that didn't fear God. I'll say it again. And we got several, many Ph.D.s among us. Amen. I'll say it again. I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for a Ph.D. Got their doctorate degree. And I don't care what in if they don't fear God. You know why? Because the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In the, in the Proverbs 1 and 7, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we know that if you're going to start doing anything in life and you're going to have wisdom and knowledge, you need to start with fear. You need to fear God because he delivers when he said he's going to deliver. The psalmist wrote in the 33rd Psalm, verse 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the heavenly host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as a heap, and he layeth the deep in storehouse. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke it, and it was done. He commanded it, and it happened. I'm not telling you to trust somebody that can't back it up. I'm not telling you to trust me or to fear me. I'm telling you, you need to have a healthy respect for him that said it and it happened. There's blessings to them that fear the Lord. Said in this Psalms 33, 18, said, uh, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy and his eyes on them, for, on them for a reason, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in the famine. 
So you have some promises if you fear the Lord. The eye of the Lord is on you. And why is it on you? To deliver you from death and to keep you in the time of famine. Psalm 34, 7 said, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and he delivers them. I'm here to tell you, if you go into your home tonight, listen to me, I'm preaching to somebody in the Holy Ghost. I don't know if you're out there or in here, but I'm telling somebody in the Holy Ghost, if you go into your house tonight and you feel fear, quit fearing what you feel outside the house. And just say, you know what? I got a healthy respect for my heavenly Father. I know he never sleepeth and he never slumbers. Uh, and there's no weapon formed against me that shall prosper. Get your fear back in him and your fear for them will leave. I hope somebody's getting that. He, while you sleep, the angels of the Lord will encamp around you that fear him. The psalmist also said in the 103rd Psalm, verse 17, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. You want mercy in your life? The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that respect him. My God, if you don't have any other reason than that, you ought to fear God. You want mercy never to leave your presence? You want the unmerited favor to be always shining upon you? You want God to always be reaching for you? And no matter how far you fall and how far in sin you go, then just keep a healthy respect for God. I can tell you the truth. I feel to tell the story. Take a break from those for just a moment. I know what time it is, and we're working fast to get to the finish line. But my mother, my wife doesn't like it when I do this, but I'll do it anyway, and she'll, she'll have to help me get over it. Amen. My mother used to scare the hell out of me. Now, my wife doesn't like that because she said you're cussing in church. But what you really need to understand are those are church words. I'll never forget the night I walked in, snuck in about 2.30 in the morning, trying to miss the stairs that creaked on the way up to the bedroom, trying to miss that creaky stair to keep from my mother waking up to slip in another night after being drunk and drugged in a sinful situation, blaming it on working late, and all of those kind of things that young people do. And, 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 and just as I thought I had cleared the gate and was just about to get in the door, I heard my mother say, Carrie Jean, you come in here. I said, oh, Mama, it's late, it's tired. You come in here. I came in there. Didn't turn the light on, didn't dare turn the light on. If I'd turned the light on, I woke my dad up. And then, then it would have been bad. <laughs> I stood at the end of the bed. I said, yes, ma'am. I was grown. I was already grown by this time. I was at least 16. That's a joke, people. Ain't nobody grown at 16. You just think you're grown. 17. I don't need my mama talking to me. I don't... Come on, anybody else be honest with me. You know what I'm talking about. I'm standing at the end of the bed like some schoolboy standing in front of the principal in the dark. And I'll never forget the words as long as I live. She said, I'm done praying for you. She said, I'm done laying awake bed at night praying that you'll come home safely and that no harm will fall on you. And I said, oh, Mom, stop that. She said, I'm serious. And she was weeping. She said, I'm done calling your name before the Lord while you're at them beer joints and out with your friends doing all that stuff that you're doing. I'm done calling your name before the Lord for that. I said, Mama, quit that. You're scaring me. She said, from this day forward, I'll only pray for your soul salvation. 
I don't have to tell you by the time I was 18 years old, I'd flipped a car six times, took the top of my head off, had a gun stuck in my face, all kinds of other stuff. And every time it happened, while I'm bleeding to death on the side of the road, I'm thinking about what mama said. You're going to split hell wide open. You're going to split. She was scaring the hell out of me. She was trying to get me to have a faithful and unforgettable respect for God. And there wasn't a night I laid down at Texas A&M in my dorm room, hound, drugs, and drunken and party. Wasn't one night, Andy, that I went to bed thinking I'd go to heaven if I, if I died in my sleep. I knew I would split hell wide open, and I was scared to death of going to hell. But it may be the reason why I went one more time to an altar and went one more time to church because I might have just been scared enough to say, I don't want to face God the way I'm living. The way I'm living. He said, the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting that fear him. Proverbs 10, 27, the fear of the Lord prolongeth your days. <laughs> oh my God, think about it. If you have a healthy respect and fear for God, it gives you more days in this life. The fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Proverbs 14, 26. The fear of the Lord is strong confidence. You will walk in to your job and you will say to your boss with confidence, Sir, I had somebody do this and they just told me. Uh, I, I can't remember who it was. It doesn't even matter. If you're here, I'm sorry, I'm not going to tell your name. I can't even remember it at this point. But they walked in and they said to their boss, they said, uh, I'm not going to work on Sundays. Uh, I know who it is. I can think of it now. And they said, I'm not going to work on Sundays and Wednesdays anymore. I, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not going to miss. I, I want to start committing to church. And, 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 and that person said they expected, they expected their boss to, to push back on them because they had just got a promotion. They had just got a raise and went from hourly wage to salary and just been made head over the whole shooting match. And that's what they said in response. They didn't come in and go, oh, I'm so thankful to my boss. They have made me just, a, oh, I've got to worship them and I've got to be afraid I'm going to lose my job. He walked right in and said, uh, this is what I'm going to do. He said, I looked at my boss and he didn't get a real happy look on his face. And I thought, well, I'm in trouble now. But he'd already said it. He said it with confidence. And he said, you know what? That's the right thing to do. As a matter of fact, me and my wife hadn't been going to church right either. And we're not going to do that either. And we're going to start going to church on Sunday and start going to church on Wednesday. You know why? Because he had a fear of the Lord. He was more afraid of God than he was his boss. Uh, he was not afraid to walk in there with confidence and say, I trust in the Lord. My, my trust, some trust in chariots. Oh, somebody help me with the word. Some trust in horses. But as for me... In my household, we're going to trust in the Lord. Amen. It's not by might, nor by power, but by thy spirit. Amen. Saith the Lord of hosts. Amen. And when you get that kind of respect for God, you know what God can do. You walk in there and say, God gave me this job, and he can give me another one. And He, I don't work for you. I work for him. You may be my boss, but I get up every day, and I work as unto the Lord. Uh, and he knows. I'm not telling you to be rude or awkward or weird or any of that stuff. And if you've been here more than 15 minutes, you know me. You know that's how I am. I'm not, I would never endorse uh, uh, improper behavior on the work. But there's, it's time we start walking in confidence. How do I walk in confidence? Have a healthy respect for the supernatural power of God. 
Get your own stories. Get your own miracles you can lean on. Rehearse them daily. Talk about them to your children. Oh, tell somebody about the flood. Tell somebody about the fire. Tell somebody about the wilderness bypass. Tell somebody about the manna that fell from heaven. Tell somebody about the water that flowed from the rock in your life. Uh, you start talking about what God has done and a healthy fear will return to you. Come on, lift your hands. The Holy Ghost wants to move on somebody right now. Right now. Right now, you need a healthy respect for God. A healthy respect for God. Don't make Him prove yourself, Himself to you. Don't make Him build you a prayer room. Don't make Him build you a storyline. Don't make Him build you plastic surgery in the top of your head missing. Don't do it like He. Don't do it. Don't make it happen. Don't make God meet you where you're at. Uh, but oh, uh, come to Him uh, while you can find Him. Uh, seek Him while He may be found. Fall on your face uh, in faith uh, and say, God. I respect you. Uh, you are the power that delivers. Uh, you are the power that heals. Uh, you are the power that sets free. Uh, you are my friend. Uh, I stick it closer than a brother. You will never leave me or forsake me. Mm. Oh, my, 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 my. Oh, the Holy Ghost is talking to somebody right now. Hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let the, I'm, I'm just stepping back. I'm gonna let the Lord do something right now. He's doing something. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 You tried to shut up your ears, but he done messed around and got in your heart. Hallelujah. You, you, you tried to stop up your ears tonight out there from listening, but you done felt conviction now. You done felt God tapping at your heart's door and say, Hey, buddy. Hey, ma'am. Hey, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Hallelujah. 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 The writer of wisdom said in the 15th proverb in the 16th verse, better than wealth or riches, better than great riches is to fear the Lord. He said these words, better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therein. I'd rather have nothing Nothing. No BMW to come to church in. No big house to go home to. Nothing. No job. No 401k. No savings account. No clean bill of health from the doctor. Nothing. Rather than respect for God. The awesome understanding that every time I feel goosebumps run up and down my spine, every time I feel the presence of the Holy One come near me, that I'm unworthy of it, and I've never done one thing to deserve it. Uh, and and if, if I got everything that I had coming to me, I'd already be in hell. But His mercy is near them that fear Him. And because uh, I have that kind of respect for God, uh, He doesn't consume me, but He draws me near. He rescues me. He comes near. Proverbs continued, the 19th proverb in the 23rd verse said, The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. 
he will not be visited with evil. Amen. Our son was killed last October in a car wreck. You don't ever want to experience any of that. It's painful to talk about it. I try not to talk about it. I try not to think about it, but sometimes it's all I think about. And I wake up almost every night in the middle of the night missing him and hoping he'll walk back in the door and realizing that that won't happen. And, 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 and I can shake my head and, and wonder if he was eight inches over this way, would he still be alive? Or eight inches over that way and still be alive. And all of that kind of stuff will confuse you and mess you up. And you say, well, evil visited the Sharps household. No, evil didn't visit the Sharps household. No. Fear of the Lord lets you know that it's all in God's hands. We're not promised tomorrow. It's a fable. It's a myth to think you're promised tomorrow. One of the last messages I preached before my son's death was the great myth. And I preached a sermon about my dear friend who was a taxidermist who was 40 years old. And I had his deer mount up here. And, and he was getting ready to go on a trip. And at 40 years old, he had a massive heart attack that has left him a horrible invalid at this moment. And, 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 and we can question God and say, and I preached this right before Taylor's death. I mean, literally, a week or so before his death, and we can question God and say, why did this happen to me? Or we can say, it's all in God's hands. I don't understand it, but I respect that God knows what he's doing. And even when I can't track him, I've got to trust him because it's he who delivered me. It's he who has saved me. It's he who has blessed me. My fear must remain in the Lord. My respect and my hope must let, re, remain in him. Proverbs 22 and 4 says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. If you want riches, honor, and life, you keep a healthy fear of the Lord. Isaiah said it like this, 33, verse 6. I told you we would go deep into Scripture, in Hebrew Scripture, on Wednesday. That's what I said on Sunday. Wisdom and knowledge shall be stable, shall be the stability of the times and strength and salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. If you want stability and you want strength, you have a respect for God. Because it doesn't matter what the economy does, what the stock market does, whether they get a vaccine or they don't get a vaccine, whether they lay off 5,000 on the job or they don't lay off 5,000, no matter what they do in the government or anywhere around you, if your trust is in the Lord, you will be, have stability and you will have strength that carries you through to salvation. He remembers them that fear him. Malachi 3.16, Then they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another. If you fear the Lord, you ought to speak often about what God has done in your life. You ought not be ashamed to go into your job tomorrow. Well, don't talk about any, don't you try to convert somebody. They'll fire you on your job. Okay, quit trying to convert them. Quit trying to convert them. But they cannot stop you from talking about the goodness of God. Oh, you don't know like I know what God's done for me. 
You can walk into, I don't care, the most liberal place on your, in this city tomorrow and walk into your job and go, man, God's been good to me. On the way to work, somebody pulled out in front of me. I was going to T-bone them. It looked like I was going to be dead, but I called on the name of Jesus. And when I did, all of a sudden, my car's brakes held. That car slipped by, and I'm here to work. Praise the name of the Lord. You hadn't tried to convert anybody. All you've done is talked about the fear of the Lord. My God is real, and when you begin to talk about it then all of a sudden the nations will hear it uh, your co-workers will hear it and they'll say what are you talking about what mean it that hey where are you going to lunch uh, can we have a little conversation hey can you help me I got something you need to pray with me about it works it works it works it works fear of the Lord is his treasure and then he feared the Lord he spoke often one to another the Lord hearkened to it and a book of remembrance was written before him of them that feared the Lord I'm telling you God does not forget it when you remember him. Do you hear me? When your fear of him is recalled and your story is told, he said he will not forget you and he will write your name in a book of remembrance. I don't have time to finish all of these. He said uh, in the, read Psalms 34, 1 through 22, that'll be your homework. And he said, I will teach you to fear the Lord. And the angel of the Lord kept around them that are fearful of the Lord. No fear of the Lord, all his saints and them that want to fear him. You just read all of that. It's just good stuff. Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 13. Read that when you get home. Now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve him, and to keep his commandments and his statutes. Here's what I'm trying to get. If a nation fears God, it will be blessed. But if it does not fear God, it will be destroyed. 1 Samuel 12, 14. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandments of the Lord, then both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue to follow the Lord your God. If you will fear him, then you and the king will continue to follow in the Lord. It comes down in the 24th verse, says, only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all of your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. But if ye shall do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and the king. That stands for the government. If this nation ever loses its fear, and that's where we're at. Okay? I'm not trying, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of time here. But that's where we're at. This nation doesn't fear God anymore. Doesn't fear God. They don't trust in God anymore. They trust in the government. And look what happens. Half the stuff they've been telling us we found out is just a political lie. They've been playing games with each other, the Democrats and the Republicans. My God, is there anybody that loves the country more than they love their party? That's what hit me today. I, I was praying for our politicians. It's a mess. And, and you, you just got one side for the other now. It's no different. I mean, it's no different. One side was polarized hard this way. Now we're polarized hard the other way. And I was praying today for them. I said, my God, this is a mess. This is a mess. I know they passed that big bill, and some are happy about it, and some are crazy about it. And I said, my Lord, is there just any one of them that loves this nation more than they love their political party? I wish there was somebody in Washington would love this nation and the people of this nation the way it's supposed to be done rather than love their political positioning. Amen. He said, in, go home and read this, 2 Kings 17, 7 through 41. 2 Kings 17, 
7 through 41. Don't fear other gods. I, I, I could go on. This is huge. This is big. I could preach an hour on this. I'm not going to. But it says down in the 35th verse in the bottom end of this, with whom the Lord hath made a covenant. And he charged them, saying, Ye shall not fear other gods, nor bow yourself to them, nor serve them, nor sacrifice them. But the, you are to serve and to fear the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt with great power and stretched out arm. Him shall you fear, and him shall you worship, and to him shall you do sacrifice. And the statutes and the ordinances of the law and the commandments which he wrote for you, you shall observe and to do evermore. Ye shall not fear other gods. You shall not fear other gods. He says it over and over and over. Ye shall not fear other gods. And the covenant that I have made you shall not you shall not forget. Neither shall you fear other gods. He says it again. But the Lord your God shall ye fear. And he shall deliver you out of the hands of your enemies. Howbeit they did not hearken, but they did after their former manner. So these nations that fear so these nations feared the Lord and served graven image both there and their children and their children's children and it did as they did and they do unto this day. He said, you cannot have a blended faith. And uh, I, I, could, I could do another Wednesday night on this one. He literally says, I told you not to fear the world and me together. But they kept doing that. They kept fearing God. Oh, they were fearful of God. But they were fearful of their job and their finances and their health and they they worshiped at two altars the altars of the gods of this world and the altar of jehovah and he said i will have no other god beside me you don't understand the world will let you do that but i won't let you do that and he utterly destroyed them and carried them into captivity because they had this duality this nature of duality when fear falls on the world then comes victory and spoils. I could tell you, 2 Chronicles 14, verse 9, and they smote all the cities round about in the 14th verse, and I'm just hitting the highlights for you, for the notes and for the people that are listening. You're writing them down. You can go home and read these or come back and watch it on Facebook or YouTube later on. 2 Chronicles 14 and 9 through 14, it's in, down in the 14th verse, and they smote all the cities round about Gerar, and the fear of the Lord came upon them. Who is the them? All of the cities round about. And when all of the cities round about begin to fear the Lord, when the world begins to fear the Lord because the church has a renewed fear of the Lord and the power of the Lord begins to work in the church, then the, the gods of this world are spoiled. In other words, we begin to take back what the devil has stolen from us. We begin to take back our lost loved ones. We begin to take back the alcoholics. We begin to take back the things he has stole from us financially and physically. And it was on them, and they spoiled all the cities, for there was exceeding spoil on them. When fear comes on the other people around you, then peace comes. If they fear you because you fear God, and they've seen the power of God in your life, they won't mess with you. Did you hear me? Now, if you don't have the goods... And you don't have the power. You'll be like those seven sons of Sceva that went in to cast out the demon in this demoniac. And that demon said, Peter I know, and Jesus I know, but who are you? And ripped their clothes off and they went running naked through the streets. But on the contrary, if you have a healthy, fearful, awesome, 
relationship with God, respecting the power of God, then you can expect a demonstration in your life that when you pray for something, God will answer. And when you, when you lay hands on something, God will heal. When somebody comes to you and you speak a word, it will work and God will manifest himself through you because of your respect for him. And when that happens, he says peace will fall round about you. And other people, somebody will think twice about starting a conflict with you. I ain't messing with them. I ain't messing with them. They, they serve, they go down to that church. They, they serve a God. Ooh, I, I've seen what God can do for them. I, you see how it works. Go home and read it, 2 Chronicles 17, verse 9. We close where we started. I got five minutes, or my wife is going to throw something at me. And I, will, I promise you, I will dismiss. We stop where we started in the apostolic church. You see, the apostolic church was built on the Jewish faith. Those guys and gals that got the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost were Jews. The day before, they had been worshiping like Jews. Now they become apostolics. Now they become first century, the church, the ecclesia. The temple is done away with. But God said, I'm dragging that fear through Ananias and Sapphira right into the New Testament. And why does he do that? Why does he bring that fear into the New Testament? Because salvation comes through fear. Acts chapter 10 and verse 1 and 2 said there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, one that feared God with all of his household. He did two things. He feared God and he gave alms. He feared God and he gave alms. And because of that, the Gentile church is here today. Salvation came to the house Cornelius, a Gentile, because he feared God. Well, he's not even in the commonwealth. He's not even in, 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 in the covenant. He's not a Jew. It does not matter whether you were born into this thing or you were not born into this. If you fear God, God will engraft you in, and salvation comes through fear. Paul would be, I mean, excuse me, Peter would be preaching later in that same chapter in the 34th, uh, excuse me, the 35th verse of that 10th chapter, and he said, but in every nation, oh, let me go back to 34. I'm trying to hurry too much. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with God. Fear brings holiness. Paul would write in his second letter to the Corinthian church, chapter 7 and verse 1, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The only way holiness can ever be perfected in your life is to have a fear of God. You do not dress a certain way, act a certain way, don't do certain things or do certain things for your church, for your pastor, for your organization, because it's written in some book somewhere or some code or guidelines. If you want to be, have holiness unto the Lord, it's between you and him because you have a healthy respect for him and you say, Lord, I just, I just wouldn't want to do that in your presence. I just, if I'm going to be a child of the king, I, I just don't know 
really if I ought to be doing that. And if you have that kind of fear for the Lord, it will perfect holiness in your flesh and in your spirit. Fear not only gets us saved, but fear will keep us saved. Paul wrote to the Philippian church, chapter 2 and verse 12. I got two minutes. And he said, therefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but even much more in my, in my absence, work out your own salvation. With what? With what? With fear and trembling. I can preach this until I fall off of this platform. But until you go home and you get on your face before God, you out there listening, turn this thing off and go into your bedroom, put the kids to sleep, and you get on your face before God and you say, God, I need to restore the fear of the Lord. I, won't, I, don't, I don't want you to have to come to me in burden or this or that, but God, I want a healthy restoration. Amen. And I want, God, I want you to bring salvation and I want you to get me right. And with that type of respect, and tr even that brings you to trembling. Trembling for why? Because if you get it wrong, you're going to hell. That ought to scare the hell out of you. You see, you think I'm cussing. But those phrases came from a pulpit. Those phrases come from a pulpit. If you get a healthy fear of God, then you won't want to go to hell. And you won't do things that will send you to hell. And when you do things that will send you to hell, you'll fall on your face and you'll repent. And you'll say, God, I don't want to be found wanting in the day of your coming. Fear not only saves us, but fear will move us. He wrote to the Hebrew church 11 and 7. He said, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of the things as not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his entire household. Can we stand? You need to go home and build a boat. What's a boat? I don't, I don't know. never heard of one. What's an ark? I don't know. I've never seen one. You need to go home, Noah, and build an ark. Oh, give me a model. Give me a plan. Show me one I can look at. Just me and you talking here, Noah. You need to build this ark. You need to build it just like this and just like this. You know why? You're going to build it, Noah? Because I am going to destroy the earth by water. And Noah, moved by fear, activated his faith. Did you hear that? Noah, moved by fear, activated his faith. You need to go home and say, Lord, you're going to destroy everything by fire. My car's going to melt down. My job's going to melt down. This church is going to melt down. Everything that I see. The, if, do you read the Bible? Do you read the Bible? Everything that we see and touch is going to be consumed by fire. You better believe in global warming. It's all going to melt. It's all going to be consumed. And knowing that, the fear of that should move you to salvation to prepare an ark of safety for you and your family. Let's lift our hands. Thank you, Lord, for this precious, precious group of people that have come to this Bible study tonight. Thank you for their sincerity and their hunger of heart. Thank you for their obedience in listening, God. 
Thank you for their respect for the things of God and the man of God to let me preach and try to persuade them with passion, knowing the terror of the Lord. And God, somebody out there listening or that will listen even at a later date, God, let them feel what we feel in this place today, God, and let a healthy, reverent respect for God be restored into our reality. I can't pray this for somebody else, but can you pray it for yourself? I cannot pray it for you right now. Oh, but can you pray it for yourself right now? Can somebody in this house say, God, let the fear of God return to me. So that I might have the power of God fall on me. So out of my hands and my mouth, my money and my mind would be a demonstration of the spirit and the power of God. And as you demonstrate yourself through me, that even the unbeliever who might be a little afraid and walk a little far away would still hope to get in the shadows of an apostolic believer that somehow or another, even they were afraid to join them, that the shadow of an apostolic preacher would fall on them or an apostolic person would fall on them so that they might be healed. I'm telling you, that's what we got to get back to. We got to get back to those basics. We look at heaven and we know that he hears and he sees all and he knows all. We understand it's all in his hands. Oh, come on, let him encamp around you. Let him place his angels around you tonight. Let him encamp around you. How? Just get that healthy respect and fear for God. Let him heal you, save you, deliver you, move you. Come on, I can't move you, but fear will move you. I don't want to be lost. I don't want my kids to be lost. I don't want my kids to go to hell. I don't want them to go to hell. I don't want them to go to hell. God, help me to build an ark for my family. Help me to get motivated to do something. Let fear save you. <laughs> Let fear bless you. Jesus, Jesus. Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving strong in this house. And he's moving strong out there. I feel it in the Holy Ghost and the spirit realm. He's moving outside of these four walls. This, this church is larger than these walls. This church is larger than that. There's someone in another state. There's someone in another country, amen, that is listening and hearing this right now. 
I don't care what kind of gods you're facing in your place and I don't care what kind of gods have riled their self up against you. There is the only one God. Amen. His name is Jesus. He died for our sins. He rose again and he sits down in the throne of God forever and all power and authority is invested in the name of Jesus. He is my Savior. He is my King. He is my Lord of hosts. He is my King of kings. Him alone do I worship. I will not worship the gods of this world. I will not worship the gods of this world. I will not worship the gods of this world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ha, 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 Jesus.